Argyles, welcome to the next episode of Humans of SDU. Today we have Blaze sitting here with us in the studio. Uh, Blaze is an alumnus from the SDU who comes originally from Poland and he's gonna talk about the interests. And I might give you a little teaser, it is really worth staying until the very end today. So enjoy! Hello Blaze, welcome to our podcast. Hi uh, hi. I chose to call you Bla Blaze. I chose to call you Blaze. However, I know that in Polish your name sounds a little bit differently. Could you say that for us? It's Błażej. Okay. And so how did you turn from Błażej to Blaze? So when I arrived to Denmark, I wanted uh, a name which people can pronounce. And I knew that Błażej is difficult. Uh, and I was a bit of a nerd. So there was this physicist from France called uh, Blaise Pascal. Which I believe is pronounced uh, Blaise Pascal, so I I went on with it, and then uh, three years after, uh, I was talking with someone in the party, and he told me, you know what? But it's actually not pronounced Blaise; it's pronounced Boage. <laughs> but by then, everyone was already using Blaise, uh, so it stayed, and so. it, it keeps on going. The story keeps on giving. From that point, you're Blaise. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Okay. And some people also. Uh, say it or write it with Z, like place something with fire, uh -huh. because you cannot, because actually it's spelled with uh, A-I-S-E, but you cannot tell yeah. from the sound from of the it. Sound, yeah. yeah, so I got a lot of blaze <laughs> when someone messages me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's still not the ideal version, still some mistakes occur, but better than your original Polish, I mean, easier than your original Polish. Yeah, name, I guess. you know, like there's a story to it, so... Uh, I don't know. It makes it I even more it. interesting. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah, well, there's not many people called Blaze. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, At I least not that I would know. But I, mean, I, I think it might be very rare, considering that I, you know, made a mistake in translation. <laughs> <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's how the new names are made. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. It's also kind of, uh, I guess, cool name in a teenager view. You know. <laughs> Someone could think, oh yeah, he's like a 16-year-old teenager liking flames and <laughs> dynamite. So that's a, maybe a good idea for when you are having kids, you know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> to continue or to <laughs> <laughs> abruptly stop? Yeah. Have the, the place officially. Yeah. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> so, Blaze, <laughs> you've graduated one year ago, is that right? Yes. You've graduated from robotics? Yes. So, how has your life been since... How do you continue in the robotics journey? Yes, I still continue on. Uh, I took the path of machine learning. Uh, so I actually came to Denmark to, to study machine learning. And ever since I graduated, uh, I tried different stuff. So right after graduation, uh, I went to South Korea. Uh, my, my then girlfriend was now wife uh, was living there. Uh, and because uh, her visa expired, we wanted to be together. I went there to try and find a job there in robotics. Uh, it turned out to be very difficult, considering the language barrier. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, when uh, when uh, I ran out of money uh, because I couldn't find a job, then I came back here and I got an offer from a company that I was working for as a student assistant. Mm -hmm. And back as a student assistant, I was working as a, as a drone guy, as a drone assistant. And uh, I got an offer in a machine learning department and I took it and I worked there ever since. Mm. So 
uh, machine learning is still quite broad perspective. So could you, what exactly do you do there? How does your work, how does your day at work look like? Uh, I have a few things going on at the same time. Uh, I'm primarily a developer. I would take a robotic system and make it somehow smart from data, learn, use the data to, to make the system somehow more optimal or, or learn the behavior uh, that, a, that a human worker would do or um, something within those lines. And the other kind of activity that I do a lot is uh, proposal writing. So I would um, provide some technical expertise uh, for um, EU proposals to get money for new projects. Uh, there is this uh, Horizon 2020, which ends soon, and there is uh, a new streamline of EU funding projects coming on. Um, uh, so we, we, we apply to those kind of things. And I think these days we have an exciting possibility of uh, getting a project with a human brain project, which is what? Uh, <laughs> a human brain project. Is, uh, <laughs> it's this initiative to bring together uh, cognitive scientists, uh, neurologists, um, Machine learners, machine learning engineers, and and uh, build a platform that takes from living organisms and bring brings it to the engineering. Does it mean that you would examine like an actual human brain? They, I wouldn't. We would be working with uh, application of what they developed. So they copied some neural architectures okay. from rats, flies, humans, and they made it a maybe it as a software, released as a software suit, and we would be using this software suit if it works out uh, for uh, solving industrial problems, right? So you can imagine a human brain-inspired neural network controlling uh, a robot. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine the brain in the middle of the room on the table and connected to all the <laughs> cables. So. Yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> because they actually need a, it's, it's a special type of machine learning they, that they do. Uh, it's called spiking neural networks. Uh, and uh, they actually need a dedicated hardware to run optimally. So it's, it's really um, like a bunch of wires in a very small scale that you can program uh, that, that is running this kind of stuff. Yeah. So in a but sense, uh, it is a brain in the box. Yeah. I just, you just came to my mind talking about the, the human brain. Uh, before we start this talk, uh, you said that you were uh, writing your thesis about the evolution of these systems, if it's correct or... In ev evolution in general. Yeah. Uh, so artificial evolution. It's a, it's a kind of a sub-branch of machine learning uh, or artificial intelligence, actually both, uh, which takes inspiration from biological evolution um, to solve problems in general. Generally speaking, um, so as as biological systems like animals, right, plants, fungus, whatever, uh, have their code encoders DNA, uh, we can also express some kind of code in a computer in silicons in mm. zeros and ones, and we can apply this uh, selection pressure to find optimal combinations of zeros and ones, uh, which I find really really interesting. And, um, well, I, I wrote a, a thesis in it. That's, so uh, that's how interesting it was for me back then. And I think I'm still very interested in it. And so, um, I mean, what did, you, what did you come up with? What was any like conclusion from that? Because it sounds very interesting that 
uh, you can make the program or the software or the artificial intelligence like evolve. How does this how does this work? At least for us <laughs> who are not very how do you say we don't have any expertise in this field, so it just sounds like ooh, what's going on? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think there's so many realizations um, because you can you can um, translate in two directions. So you can look at the system you've built and try to find analogies for for our life, for our bodies, for 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 plants, for humans, right? And then you can take from the biological realm and try to find inspiration to build systems. And I think when I was doing it, I was I was doing both. Um, so one uh, one interesting concept that uh, I integrated in this in this uh, project was uh, migration and ice island based um, evolution. So an idea that you have um, populations that are separated and they occasionally exchange um, material, they migrate. Then, um, and that creates this this kind of um, different streamlines of solutions. So as 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 you can see that, for example, uh, birds have a common ancestor, which was some kind of a some kind of an animal, right? And then, uh, through separation, through physical separation, because they were stick on the, uh, stuck on an island or something like that, uh, they they diverged into some other organism, right? So they have different features that might be bigger and might have a different mating mechanisms. They might have a different way of um, of uh, finding food. And, and and you can actually you can actually simulate that in silicon, right? You can simulate that on a computer and 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 see the progression in accelerated time. So in our lifetime, we, we maybe see uh, I don't know, um, a few generations for our pets, right? Because they usually live shorter than us. We might see a few generations of our relatives who who, who lived in our li lifespan, right? But we can, maybe when you look at, when you are an, a scientist and you look at flies, you can you can see like thousands of generations because they have very short lifetimes. But in the computer simulation, you can suddenly see a million of them, right? Okay. So you can see the, you can unfold it and see how it progresses over over millions of generations. And I think that's very interesting. That's exciting. Yeah, indeed <laughs> it is. But does it somehow apply like the the other way that you are not only like simulating the biological uh, evolution, but you you are also like um, how would you say like you make the uh, the the artificial intelligence also like evolve to to different you know streams of or different paths. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, I would separate um, machine learning. So if Okay, maybe a different way. Uh, I think evolution happens in a very long scale and learning happens in a very short scale. So for example, uh, your brain gets a structure when you are born and this structure is filled with connections through learning when you are developing. Um, but you kind of come with this, this DNA that encodes your body, encodes your brain and, and kind of defines mm -hmm. your, your physical structure, right? Uh, so I would say that learning has a very short t uh, time span so you can learn something very fast during your lifetime, but you're kind of stuck with whatever genetic uh, right. DNA you've got, right? Um, so when when we apply those solutions, um, those two kind of machine learning types uh, to, to the real problems, to the engineering problems, then um, they kind of have a different... Yeah, they, they, also, they also show those kind of features, right? So machine learning is able to... Um, 
to learn on the spot kind of new skill and evolution um, is kind of not understanding the underlying problem. So you can imagine like your DNA is not aware what you're doing after it was produced. Yeah. But when you're learning, you have to understand the skill. So like evolution is kind of skill unaware and learning is very nitty gritty into the um, stuff that you have to learn to exist in a sense. So, so they're, they're, you, we sometimes combine them, but we usually uh, keep them separate and they have different adva advantages. Yeah. I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> <laughs> it might make my question like kind of uh, not really, uh, how would you say? <laughs> Yeah, making any sense to that because basically evolution is not a, not a thing that it's applied in a no, in no it's very sensible i think you just didn't know that um so th there are different types right yeah, yeah. and then there really are many and talking about the artificial intelligence maybe we stick to the topic for a while uh how about how do you see the the how would you call it the ethical problem regarding the artificial intelligence because at some point we we are we may, we might come to a, to a point when when the artificial intelligence will need to like uh, make decisions, but they are needs to be based on some like morality. And how can you like transfer this this problem into to a computer? Right. Um, I think right now it's. Um, I'm not worried right now, but I'm pretty sure that it will get out of control at some point. Um, I think transferring morality might be outside of our scope right now, but what we are trying to do is to build systems which uh, behave within boundaries of expectation. So for example, um, there is this whole idea of uh, reinforcement learning when uh, you don't really know how to describe that, that uh, in, in a code, a task that you want to learn, but you, for example, know what a good behavior and a bad behavior is. So you might reward a good behavior and punish behavior that is outside of what you want the robot to do. And then um, the systems have a tendency to uh, exploit that. So if you make a mistake, a mistake, or maybe you're not aware of what the reward, reward uh, function means, you can teach a robot something else that you thought. And an example was uh, a robot, for example, uh, a, a simple robot, which was um, uh, being um, rewarded for uh, um, walking, a walking strategy. Mm -hmm. And it was able to adjust its physical structure. So let's say it was able to make its, like longer legs or bigger head or something like that. Uh, and instead of developing a real uh, walking mechanism, the rewards function allowed it to just create like a very long stick with a with a heavy mass on the top and it was falling down and moving away from the initial location uh, like very far far away from the initial location so it it didn't really learn how to walk it just someone <laughs> didn't express what it's supposed to learn properly so it's kind of learned something else and i think that's the biggest problem with teaching the systems that you might think you you know what you are uh, punishing and rewarding it for but it might find a kind of a niche behavior yeah. which will create distraction that you are maybe like expecting that it uh, it can translate the like this kind of human language like you need to walk we will be rewarding rewarding you for walking but the translation is then well I'm getting rewarded from getting further f as further as possible from point A to point B 
no matter if I'm walking or doing this uh, yeah. falling. <laughs> falling thing. So it's um it's tricky to to well yeah. to bound it. Yeah. At least to me it's very interesting. But I don't have like this uh, like insight to that. But I was reading somewhere like with the uh, autonomous uh, driving systems they have. Like what what would be the the, the decisions there like when the right if if the car is allowed to behave in a way that it might damage the the driver hurt him in order to save someone on the street or like I think it's a good thinking problem it's a good thought experiment but I think what will happen is that the autonomous driving cars will become so much better than human drivers can offer that this kind of dilemma will just die out okay because if if so you're saying that they will not have to decide there will not be the need for it i think they will always have to decide but because those situations will be happening so uh, increasingly less we will just say okay uh, we might not know exactly what kind of decision uh, thinking process goes into this decision making when there is a pedestrian and a kid and i in the car whatever but i can clearly see that whatever it's doing it's improving uh, safety on the roads by manifold. Mm -hmm. um, so we might just say, okay, we trust it enough to, to let it run free because it's actually better than human. So that should be something we are be happy with and don't gonna dig further <laughs> in that. <laughs> I'm not sure, probably it would be nice to understand it. <laughs> but um, I think we are running more and more dependent on technology. Mm -hmm. um, and I really believe that at some point it will become bigger than us. And I think that time will come soon where there will be so much computing power everywhere in every device in the cloud. And it will be automating so many small processes around us. And there will be a point in the future when there will be more of those artificial systems making decisions than humans. And the computing power of those systems will be larger than the total compute power of human brains, right? So you, if you think about it, there will be an alien entity living within us, integrated in our network of society and everywhere, which will be so big and so profoundly complex that wrapping our heads around all of it would be just impossible. So there will be no single person which would understand all of it. Hmm. And we will be all making decisions and guided by those systems. So and, a, and an entity which we actually developed, right? So that's yeah. something that's so... And you actually are the one who develops this technology. It's like, isn't that scary for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very, I'm very worried about how it will be. But I also, I can just show like, because as an individual developer, I'm not building the whole thing. We are just pu putting a little bit of like one block in, the other block in, and it's just being built by block by block. Um, and also, I see myself as uh, having an influence of what I'm building, so I can build it in a responsible way. And it will happen no matter if I'm doing it or not, because right. China is investing so much money into artificial intelligence that, well, it's, I'm just like a, a grain of sand on the beach. Mm. And there will be many generations of machine learning engineers after me who will be doing, doing it. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's just unstoppable at this point. It's okay. either with or you know you're either part of it or you are left behind. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Better jump on that train. <laughs> no, no, I'm of course kidding. Uh, but 
Um, I really think that at some point it will become an alien entity living without, without within us, which might not have a, a proper consciousness. Um, but I don't think it has to be smarter than us or more conscious than us to actually become dangerous. Hmm. So what are, what do you see like as the implications of this uh, possible future state? Um, I think our lives will will be changed. Uh, I'm not sure to in which way exactly, but I think increasingly we will be outsourcing uh, things to, to systems, right? So um, right now you're driving your own car, but sometime in the future you might just tell tell the location and you will be driven there, right? And at some point, okay, we might be cooking our food, but there will be time when we won't be cooking our food. The food will be prepared for us. Um, that doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound so bad because each of these elements is worth pursuing, right? Yeah, but then if, absolutely. If you add all of them together, then what happens, right? Like what kind of, right, I don't know. I, th I think it can, it can uh, get out of hand easily. Yeah, we got a bit philosophical here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But what I also like about your job, you mentioned that the institution you work for works kind of as a bridge between academia and the industrial world. Yeah. So how, because I think that's very important because there are many things that I feel like are being like discovered in the academia world, but there is no one to take it and actually get use of it. So is that what your institution tries to do? Exactly. That's okay. what we're doing. And uh, it's a it's an institute that operates in different fields. Uh, so there's, uh, you know, agriculture, uh, chemistry, uh, computer systems, robotics, automation. I'm working with, uh, with production specifically. Um, and that's what we do. We, we read papers, we replicate the systems that they're described in those papers, and um, we bring them to, so we actually don't compete with, um, we, we don't want to be a competitor. So To whom? Uh, to let's say startups and other uh -huh. companies uh, providing services, we want to more be on a realm like in, uh, if someone needs our expertise, we will just jump on the project and provide it. So we work a lot with integrators, and then we we give them a tech we developed, and then they integrate and they take the profit out of it. Mm. Um, so it's really it's partially um, I think it's not profit organization. So so it's a uh, thing it's a very I kind of like when it stands on a on a uh, like a ethical uh, like ethical standpoint of it right it doesn't 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 like try try to compete it's just doing what no one else can do or knows how to do or know how to profit from and it takes governmental money to do so and I think it, it's, it's a good body to exist yeah sounds pretty useful yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and while talking of robotics, then I think you found your place in Ottensee, right? That's like the Danish paradise of robots. Yeah. <laughs> you could say so. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, I can see it growing really, really fast. Mm. Good. Well, I might lighten up a bit again. So we got from the end of the world to the <laughs> something nicer. <laughs> but, okay. um, oh, this is a very light topic, but whatever. But I've noticed you're wearing a ring on your left 
hand. And I've also seen noticed that you've oh you've mentioned that you had a girlfriend in South Korea. Yes. Who is now your wife. That's true. And that happened very recently, right? That's happened that happened a few months ago, yes. So congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and now give me some details. <laughs> um Well I was kind of spontaneous. Um that was probably the only way we could be together comfortably without uh, we, 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 we had we had three periods where we had to be in a long distance relationship um, because of the visa problems and well we, we really needed that uh, comfort you know to not have to worry what's going to be in the next three months and it's awesome um, so did we, we did it in Denmark uh-huh. okay. um, we did it very like a s- small thing we didn't really plan on making any party when we went to um, to Poland to my parents and so they didn't come here for the actual ceremony no we actually kept it kind of secret oh <laughs> <laughs> weren't they angry afterwards <laughs> mm, well they were informed but very shortly before and my mom was a little bit a thing um, well she really wanted to be part of it yeah but she eventually <laughs> understood and okay do you and have some siblings where she could like get to the wedding actually? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a sister. <laughs> so now it's all on her. <laughs> oh, well, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> but it's nice. I guess it was very private and nice moment then. Yeah. Good. That was um, just for us. And so how did you guys meet? So you're from Poland, she's from South Korea. Did you meet in Denmark? Yes, we yeah. met in Unse. Uh, we met at the climbing gym. Okay, um, cool. She was uh, sh- she was hanging out with with one of my friends, and I started hanging out started hanging out together, and eventually, um, well, something clicked, and I think our first date was also in the climbing gym. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> nice. it was completely empty. No one showed up uh, on a Friday night, so we had the whole gym for ourselves, and so That's it's a kind of a sport <laughs> sport based relationship. <laughs> <laughs> what other sports do you guys do together? <laughs> um, we hike. Oh, nice. Do you hike in Denmark, actually? Mm, not really. That, that, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking, right? <laughs> there is not that much where to hike. Or there yeah, but there are no, ma- there there are no, no mountains, mountains, but yeah. there are quite few nice hikes. That's true. That's true. So. Yeah, yeah. So where do you enjoy it the most? Have you been to some nice hiking trips? Um, I think... The one I liked the most maybe was the Plitvica. Okay. Oh, in Croatia. Yes, mm-hmm. that was really, really beautiful. Um, th- very recently, we've been to uh, Polish mountains and we got lost. <laughs> <laughs> so four hour long hike turned out into um, eight hours long Oy. hike. <laughs> and that's because we found a track and it was described as very boring. Uh, so we decided to go off-road and <laughs> that didn't go well. I mean, it was awesome in the end, but it just took twice as much time. Yep. <laughs> well, you got through, so I guess that's fine. Yeah, we returned. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Well, do you have any other questions you'd like to ask? Yeah, we, we can just go for the very last one. <laughs> um, well, we tend to ask our guests uh, the very last question every time the same, and it's if they have any life hack. Do you have any anything that makes oh. your life easier? Okay. I like to wake up early in the morning and skip breakfast. Skip breakfast? 
Yes. Oh my god. I only eat, I only eat twice a day. I eat lunch and dinner. Uh, sometimes hungry. I snack during the day. I just keep them bigger. But I really like this um, clearance in the morning. From like, I just drink water and coffee, and mm. I feel like I can get a lot of stuff done in the morning like that. All right. That's um. good. That's good. Yeah. Well, then I have to start to train my stomach for that. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while to <laughs> get used to it. I think yes. Yeah. But great place. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. The Thanks a lot. It's really an interesting talk. It's really fun. Yeah. And now comes what you have been waiting for. To conclude today's episode, we have another story for you, which is about how Blaze actually met with Mishka. So thank you for listening and enjoyed these last few minutes. Have a nice week. Blaze, with you, there comes a very interesting story how you were brought into our podcast. <laughs> right. Uh, so I was invited by uh, Mishka and I met her at the strip show at LA bar <laughs> um, we've is, been <laughs> is that something like you do often or <laughs> <laughs> um, not anymore <laughs> not anymore okay well yeah I can't not anymore your wife listen. no I cannot I actually I, I think my wife didn't like it <laughs> didn't like the fact that I went there um, but it was very informative you know like I don't really have any uh, any experience with strip shows so like I was just a seeing what it's about. It was it surprising for you to see Mishka there? <laughs> we have to ask her no. about that as well. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, I I know that some friends, some of my friends bring their girlfriends to a strip show together. Okay, were there any other women then? Yeah, plenty. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah that was very, very diverse, very... I, I mean, not say. only the performers, but... <laughs> <laughs> there was only one performer. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was It was cool. Uh, it was very crowded, though. I was I was surprised by um, how filled the place became. <laughs> <laughs> For one woman. Hmm? Yeah. Well, she did a good job. She got a good uh, ovation afterwards. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I, I, can, I can recommend it. If you haven't tried, it might be a nice uh, idea for a date. <laughs> <laughs> Where does it take place? Nice it, that was in a delay bar, but I think LA bar. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. That was probably a one-time thing. I'm not sure this is a reoccurring mm. theme. Okay. 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 Well. Let's see, Martin. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm not saying uh, I want to go. <laughs> Have you been? No, 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 no of course. <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't know <laughs> we didn't know each other that time. <laughs> right. Or was there like you were that guy who was <laughs> shaking the champagne. <laughs>